folks in Savannah react to the leaked draft of a Supreme Court ruling that would overturn Roe versus Wade. Disgraced attorney Alec Murdoch is indicted on more charges in South Carolina, and prosecutors lay out their case against a former Brunswick district attorney facing charges for her handling of the Ahmaud Arbery case. I've got those stories and more in this episode of WTOC's Weekly Wrap, a recap of the week's biggest stories from around the coastal empire and low country. I'm digital anchor Jake Wallace. Across the country, protesters for and against abortion rights took to the streets, including in the hostess city. It all happened in the hours and day following the leak of a draft of a Supreme Court ruling that would overturn Roe versus Wade, the landmark case that made abortion legal in the United States in 1973. On Tuesday, May 3rd, hundreds of protesters marched in downtown Savannah to show their support for abortion rights. WTOC's Alyssa Jackson was there. And they put this together just hours after the initial opinion about overturning Roe versus Wade was leaked from the Supreme Court last night. I talked to several women at the protest who started by sharing their personal stories, some survivors of sexual assault and abuse. They were met with some opposition, but they say they don't want anyone making choices for their bodies. From City Hall to City Market, protesters rallied for Roe against the Supreme Court, possibly overturning the landmark decision Roe versus Wade. In 1972 or 73, we marched in Boston to support Roe versus Wade abortion rights. That was 50 years ago. So here I am, I'm 68 now. And now we're trying to preserve a right that every woman should have, does have, and now people are trying to take it away. I mean, you know, if you don't like it, then don't get an abortion. But. It was a national movement with people gathering across the country and continuing rallies in the heart of Savannah with women sharing their stories. I was very young and I was sexually assaulted and it was because I had an abortion and because I was given care, empathetic, proper care, that I was able to go on with my life. Their stories and protest didn't come without opposition from a handful of people against abortion. It doesn't. But no. Define life it does. Can you just define life process? Something that can survive outside the womb without any help. Does that mean life? The definition of life is changing. Still, protesters continued reacting to the leak. Disappointed, but not shocked. Horrified. Shocked. Because not only is this impacting abortion, but there's a possibility it could impact gay rights. And aiming to disrupt because it's a decision they say they've been expecting. We've known for a long time that this is coming. City leaders and state representatives showed up saying they are in this too. Senator Raphael Warnock said it best, the doctor's office is too big for a woman, her doctor, the state of Georgia, and the United States of America. It's, it's too small for that. And it's not a fight the community says they plan to give up soon. The group protesting today says they'll continue to come back in the coming days and months leading up to the final decision. You can see what local, state, and national legislators on both sides of this debate had to say on the issue at WTOC.com. We've got a link to that story in the description of this podcast episode. A South Carolina grand jury issued three indictments on suspended attorney Alec Murdoch and two other men on Wednesday, May 4th. 
The grand jury indicted Murdoch on four new charges, as well as indicting suspended attorney and Murdoch's college roommate Corey Fleming on five new charges and former banker Russell Lafitte on 21 charges, according to the South Carolina Attorney General's Office. The documents accused the three men of being involved in a conspiracy to misappropriate hundreds of thousands of dollars. Murdoch now faces a total of 79 charges, including schemes to defraud victims of nearly $8.5 million. Stay up to date with everything in the Murdoch case at the Murdoch case page at WTOC.com. You'll find that link in the podcast description. While the three men convicted in the killing of Ahmad Arbery in 2020 sit in prison, two more people are under investigation in the case. The Georgia Attorney General's Office is looking at the two district attorneys who initially handled the Arbery case internally. Former Brunswick DA Jackie Johnson is indicted on two counts connected to the murder case. That indictment accuses Johnson of directing Glenn County police officers not to arrest Travis McMichael on the day he shot and killed Ahmad Arbery. The other DA under investigation is current Waycross. DA George Barnhill, who took on the case after Johnson recused herself. No charges have been brought against Barnhill at this time. WTOC investigative reporter Jessica Savage has been following this case and found new information about 16 phone calls between Johnson and the shooter's father in the days and weeks before he was charged with murder. Here's her report. Those calls were between then DA Jackie or Jackie Johnson is, of course, at the time, Greg McMichael, who was under investigation. Now, up until this legal filing today was released, we really only knew about one of those phone calls on the day of the shooting. Here's a look. Two years ago today, that viral video of the killing of Ahmaud Arbery shocked the nation. It's what prompted investigators with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to look into the case and how it was handled. Details about the investigation into prosecutorial misconduct are now part of a new court filing by the Georgia Attorney General's Office. It shows 16 phone calls were made between Johnson and her former investigator, Greg McMichael, who worked in the DA's office for more than 20 years. The call log shows McMichael called Johnson almost immediately after the shooting on February 23rd of 2020, and he left her this voicemail. My son and I have been involved in a shooting, and uh, I need some advice right away. Please call me as soon as you possibly can. According to the prosecutor's filing, Johnson didn't call him back, but she did contact Waycross DA George Barnhill. She asked him to review the Arbery shooting and advise Glenn County Police on the case something prosecutors claim is a violation of her oath. Quote, rather, instead of using the lawful conflict procedure and immediately notifying the attorney general's office, D.A. Johnson allowed D.A. Barnhill to render a decision on the case, a decision that she classified as urgent. The next day, on February 24th, Barnhill determined the shooting was justified and no one was arrested. According to the call log, Johnson called McMichael that evening and they had a nine minute and 15 second phone call. Johnson's attorneys have said that she, quote, immediately recused her office from any involvement with the death investigation on the day Mr. Arbery was killed and did not participate in the investigation. But prosecutors say that's not true. In the court filing, they contend that she was the DA since her recusal letter to the Georgia Attorney General's office wasn't sent until February 27th, four days after the shooting, and that she failed to disclose that Barnhill had already reviewed the case and declared the case to be self-defense. Quote, thus Johnson effectively chose the outcome of the case despite having a conflict under the state code. McMichael and Johnson exchanged 14 more calls after her recusal. The last one on May 5th, the day the video of Arbery's killing went public. 
According to the filing, McMichael called Johnson to thank her for referring him to a prosecutor in George Barnhill's office for legal advice. Well, by then, Barnhill had recused himself from the case. According to the filing, Johnson didn't answer McMichael's call, so he left her a voicemail that said, quote, he's going to run interference with me right now, and that's damn good advice, and I appreciate that very much. Justice. By then, the video had already gone viral. Two days later, the GBI arrested McMichael, his son Travis, and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan Jr., on murder charges. Well, the Glenn County Grand Jury indicted Johnson in March of last year. Prosecutors say that she's not yet been arraigned in that case. You can see that full indictment filing on our website, WTOC.com. The Savannah Ghost Pirates, Savannah's pro hockey team, officially has the schedule for its first ever season on the ice. The ECHL released the league schedule for the 2022-23 season on Thursday, May 5th, including the 72-game slate for the expansion Ghost Pirates. Savannah will open their first season on October 22nd on the road against the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. The team will play 36 home games in their first season, with the home opener happening on Saturday, November 5th. It's a date the team says can't get here soon enough. Here's Ghost Pirates Director of Community Relations and Game Presentation, Brian Sclover. We are a part of this community. We are their professional sports team. And that night is not just going to be a celebration of our team, but a celebration of the city and how much the city loves sports and loves competition. And really the level of competition in sport we're bringing here. We're bringing a world-class professional sports experience here. WTOC also spoke with team president Bob Arablo about the schedule release and what's next for the Ghost Pirates. You can find the link to that story and interview in the description of this podcast episode. You can keep up with the latest news, weather, and sports headlines every night on The News and all the time at WTOC.com and on the WTOC app. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend.